Hey, welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all the things the culture doesn't want to talk about. And that might scare you. Well, hey, thanks for being with us today. Uh, Nathan, we've got a great show. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited to get to know our incredible guests. We've got two really awesome guests. We have Mr. Alvin Louie and Mr. Elijah Condalone. Excellent. Glad to be here. (laughs) Couldn't be be a better group of guys. It's amazing. Good to have you. I posted just a few minutes ago to our Facebook uh, that we got some freedom fighters. Uh-huh. Uh, and you guys are, you know, you guys do a great job fighting for freedom. So we have been, we, you probably have seen it in the news. Um, there's this fight in the schools right now between educators, administrators, and parents. And so we have this thing that's taking over or has taken over a lot of our, our schools called CRT. And Alvin and Elijah are on the front lines of that battle in Hamilton County and their two respective kind of areas in Carmel, Noblesville, but, but really the whole county. And so we brought him in today because we think this is really important. And Nathan, I don't know about you, but I have seen that the front lines of the battle for the future of our nation is the uh, is the schools. Yeah. I, I mean, it's if you can win the kids, you win the future generation. Well, what a place of indoctrination. Yeah. You know, right. I, if I, I love what we're seeing right now about uh, put a classroom or put a put a uh, a camera in every classroom. Oh, that's great. Could you imagine how that would change things? Yeah. Because COVID woke parents up to begin to see curriculum because they're allowing our country to educate our children rather than taking the role of responsibility of that parents are ultimately yeah. that we're the ones who own our children. They belong to us, not yep. the state. Yep. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we're governing what they're learning. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, fellas, so Elijah and Alvin, what have you guys been seeing in your in in both Carmel, Noblesville, but Hamilton County? Give us an update. What do parents need to know? How can they get involved? And maybe a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, I'll let you go first, Alvin. You you've uh you you hail from the uh, the People's Socialist Republic of California. So. <laughs> Welcome to freedom. Yeah. You, you bring a, you bring a little bit different perspective. Although I I do come from the People's Socialist Republic of Illinois. So it's not, <laughs> oh well, that's not very too, different. Too different. Yeah, so. It's, yeah. So you have Gavin Newsolini over over here, and then you have JB who doesn't know up from down when it comes to freedom and liberty. So. Uh, in Illinois, gosh, you guys, yeah, did you guys yet. both come to Indiana for freedom specifically? They said, come to a red state, they said. Is that what they told you? Fine, they said. Life will be easier, they said. <laughs> That's what they said. None of this then, stuff is over there, they said. <laughs> well, well, we, we want to stop it in its tracks. So yeah. it's good to see, you know, you're coming from, that you've already seen where where it's yeah. charted in yeah. California, yeah. Illinois. Yeah. So so talk to us yeah. about what you're seeing. You know, I always tell parents that if you want to, if you want to look into the future, fly four hours west, you'll see 10 years into the future. Wow. And uh, when we first got here, I started seeing little glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. But it's, I'm really hopeful. I'm really, really hopeful because in California, when we realized what was happening, we were about 20, 25 years too late. Mm. Here, we're about five to seven years too late. And that's a whole different ballgame. So I'm very encouraged. I think parents here are doing a lot. I mean, I've never seen parents in California do anything that parents are doing here. Uh, there was a, that was a blueprint that they developed in California. Uh, started in the schools first, and none of us knew. We every parent did schools like our parents did. You moved if you live in a nice city, you assume the schools rated well. You drop them off, you don't see them again, and uh, that's it. And then and then twelve years later, they only vote one way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's don't, sixteen thousand hours mm-hmm. is how many right. how many hours teachers yeah. get with kids right. Right. away from their parents from kindergarten through twelfth uh, grade. That's right. Yeah. And and once you tell them certain 
certain things for 12 years, it won't matter. It, logic, facts, it doesn't matter. They'll only vote one way. And it's, it, this, California is such a big state and has so much money, but you look at these conditions, it's horrific because it's just one school at a time, one city at a time, and then eventually the whole state falls under, un, under that kind of uh, uh, ideology. You know, to add to that, just the, our, our kids, they want to be liked. Yeah. You know, they want to be accepted. Mm-hmm. They haven't really learned to put on their big boy pants or mm-hmm. their big girl pants mm-hmm. and disagree and, and even know how to disagree in an right. agreeable way. Right. right? So everything uh, about targeting kids. Oh, it's disgusting. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense from a strategic level oh, of yeah. what the left is doing. Like, yeah. they're, not, they're not stupid. No. Uh, what a what a good idea to go after them while they're young and oh. indoctrinate them to get them yeah. to think that their parents are yeah. are out to lunch. Yeah. No. Absolutely. You're and, and it's it, and it starting in the colleges. So what what's happening for the for parents listening? The thing it's not people go oh we're not teaching CRT we're not doing that we're not you know we're not teaching it because it's not a curriculum. Um, it's a lot more insidious than that. The, a lot of the teachers, especially the younger teachers, they themselves have been indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. So they come from the colleges and then now they come into the classroom and they start spreading the indoctrination they've had, right? Because they don't come in and saying and say, oh, high academics is my first priority or even second priority, social activism is my first priority mm-hmm. and second priority. Mm-hmm. And whatever the liberal winds blow, that's they're using their classroom as their personal pulpit. And so it's not just, it's not a curriculum. It's a culture change. What CRT brings is a culture change. Um, it's the books that they're having the teachers read. It's the uh, seminars they're having their teachers take. And then they come from that and they bring every year, they bring more and more into it. And this is exactly what happened to us in California. Um, certainly it's just beginning here, but you're already seeing a lot of the teachers are saying, you know what, screw you guys. I'm doing this because this is what, it's the right thing to do. I'm on the right side of history and all that nonsense. And it's that's, just, that's it's just, right. It's, that's all it is. And the colleges are just cesspool. Oh yeah, they're, they're done. They're done. Uh, they're, they're all. It's all. It's it's an elitist attitude, right? So I mean, you can <clears throat> you can bring this back to yes, you know, there's been a generation, more than a generation, that's been indoctrinated in our universities. Um, they bring that into the classroom. Yeah. Um, they have this elitist attitude that since they went to name the university, um, they've been trained to be, you know, the spectacular uh, fighter for, for all things good and decent in the world, that w- who is some parent to, to question what they're teaching in the classroom? That's exactly the attitude. That, I mean, yeah. and, and at the Noblesville School Board meeting uh, just this past Monday, I was there, a number of us were, and uh, a number of us spoke. Um, they, I put a video out on our Facebook page, uh, Arise America. You can go there and check it out if you're, any of your listeners are interested. Um, but I did a recap of, of that school board meeting. And one of the things, what I titled it was, they brought in reinforcements. And they did. Uh, they, meaning this, you know, the school board, presumably, uh, members of the district leadership, they brought in the ISTA, Indiana State Teachers Association, which is closely aligned with the NEA, um, who has come out and said they're going to they're gonna fight back against those pesky parents who are calling into question this critical race theory. Um, ideology, you put it really good. It isn't, it's not a curriculum. It's an ideology. Oh, right, right. Um, and might even, we might even go as far as to say it's a religion for, for some. Um, it's like a cult. Yeah, it is. It's so, a cult. But, but the ISTA that, that was there, there was a few representatives there on the back of their shirts. It said, our kids, our schools, our future. 
Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Our kids, our schools, our teacher, coming from, from a union, that's the union's yeah. tagline, if you will. The idea that they think they own my kid. Exactly. And so infuriating. it is. Yeah. And, and so what I said at the meeting and I said uh, afterward, I said, no, it's actually, they're, they're actually the parents' kids, right? I mean, that, that, that's the truth of the matter. Uh, and, and it's actually the taxpayers' school, okay? Uh, the taxpayers own the public schools. That's how that works. And yes, yeah, some of those union members who are teachers are also taxpayers, but their, their tax dollars don't mean any more than, than my tax dollars. So this idea that, that they have, this mentality that they have, that they are responsible for providing all of the things that you lowly parents are missing in terms of social justice, in terms of values, in terms of everything that's not necessarily related to academics. What we want them to do is teach academics. Yeah, what a, we, we want them what to teach our kids that is. math and English and science. And like, that's what we want them to do. That's what they're hired to do. And if they would just do that, they could have such an amazing impact on our country. Did, did you guys ever go uh, kind of look back at where public schools began yeah. in our country? Right. And, you know, the number one book that taught mathematics and history and logic and reasoning was the Bible. Mm, right. You know, we used the Bible. And, and so, obviously, it's going to be that the you're going to study these stories. These stories are going to pass down a worldview of God. Mm -hmm. And... That's going to set the trajectory of all things. It, it set the trajectory of all things freedom. Mm -hmm. But when you start at the wrong place, right. how are you ever going to make it to the right place? Why does it in any way surprise us that, that they've bought into such foolishness when they don't even start with a foundation of truth in any regard? We don't even, we can't even say that biologically men and women are what they are, it's, you know? How, how, how well, I think the, you know, I think the school system is working actually as intended. Uh, people think that uh, uh, the school systems don't work, but that's not true. The school system's working exactly how it's intended. So let me give you an example. That's a good point. Let me give you an example why. Um, the example I'll use is like from the pharmaceutical company. In the pharmaceutical world, there are no money to be made out of healthy people or dead ones. Now, you don't want to kill them because there's no customers. You don't want healthy people because they don't take your drugs. They don't take your meds, right? You want to get people hooked kind of early in life so that way they need a stronger dose as they age because they're not healthy, right? They're dependent on your drugs. So take that concept and bring it and expand it over to the diversity, inclusion, equity, which is what I call DIE. I call it D-I-E instead of D-E-I. <laughs> right. Because everything that ideology touches dies, yeah. you know? Um, so that die ideology, which to me, which is the soil in which all this horrible trees grow, be it mm -hmm. SEL, be it CRT, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So uh, that idea, that that industry is a booming industry. That in anti-racism is a booming industry because if you think about it, when you're just saying we don't start from a place of truth, how can you? How, how are the kids going to grow up to be solid, healthy, stable human beings? You don't want them to. Because once you can indoctrinate kids into this victimhood, right? So if you're a victim, okay, you need saviors. Absolutely. Guess who's the saviors? Government. Right. If you're a guilt-written white person, mm -hmm. there's a lot of training for you 
Mm-hmm. Right? So that's why you see these companies spending thousands and sometimes millions of millions dollars. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars for training. I mean, people like, people like uh, what's her face, D'Angelo, who wrote White Fragility. Is it yeah, Robin? Robin, yeah. yeah. They're charging like $20,000, $30,000 for like she, a two-day she's seminar. She's racket. gotten pretty rich. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Hey, you're, you, are, you are a racist, even if you don't know it. And by the way, I can, I'm the only one that can help you. <laughs> yeah. So she, and, and you can never really be truly cleansed. You have to keep coming back <laughs> yeah. for she, more training. She has a new book out, by the way. I don't know if you know it or not, but it, she, in it, she talks about how to absolve yourself even more of the racism oh. that's in you. And yeah. she, she, she gives a story of how she went up the, one of the, one of the first times uh, at a party where she realized that she, <laughs> she was like a racist. She went up to a black couple and told them how much of a, of not of, of a racist she was so like she said hey i accept you i i'm not a racist like you guys are black and i want you here <laughs> it's like can you imagine yeah. being that couple <laughs> can you imagine being that couple like uh, oh i think it's no. so funny and it's always these like guilt-ridden white people suburban suburban, suburban moms, moms. Yeah. Yeah. Right? like like in the asian culture there's never been a situation where we sit around and go Man, this problem it really impacts our community. Does anybody know a white friend that can champion for us <laughs> and that can just raise this on a national level for us? Does anybody have a white friend? You know, like we that 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 conversation has never happened. <laughs> That's really funny to right. think about. It's like that, if you're not if you if you uh, since you're listening to this right now, Alvin, you're you're Asian descent, right? right? Yeah, so I'm Chinese. Yeah. So you um uh you. I'm, it's it's amazing to see your perspective. You, I think you told me something once on the phone. You said that it really has to do with fatherlessness. It yes. really has to do with the breakdown of the family. So people who want to go and say, "Hey, the system's racist. The system's rigged against minorities." You you threw it back. You said, "No, no, no. It's a family breakdown." Mm-hmm. And you look at the black population. Mm-hmm. There's a seventy percent fatherless mm-hmm. population or fa- fatherless rate. Mm-hmm. Whites have about a thirty. Mm-hmm. But the most successful, prosperous people group in America, if you want to, if you want to segment everyone out yep. by people groups is the Asian community. Well, guess what right. the pop, the fatherless rate is in the Asian community? It's like it's, fathers like 5%, yeah, 2%. Yeah, it's, it's under it's under only because they died, well, not because they left. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's actually around 9%. Is yeah. it's under 10% right now and you see wow, there's stability yeah. in your culture yeah. in in the minor yeah. in the Asian yeah. community, but it's because there's there's a solid home. And we want to say in the black community, we want to say, oh, no, no, no. It's, we've got to teach something different from a government standpoint. The system's rigged against black people. No, it's not rigged against black people. It was 50 years ago. Yeah. It was 150 years yeah. ago. It was 200 years ago. But it's not anymore. And the only people that ever rigged it against black people were Democrats. Were Democrats. <laughs> right. Well, it's selling, selling the solution. <laughs> we're probably Where you replace a man with a government paycheck in a home and you penalize that family um, financially because there is a man living in the home who's the biological father, Mm -hmm. that's, you want to talk about a, a, you know, I know everybody throws the word around systematic, you know, a a systematic racism. Mm -hmm. That was, that, that is a system that, that, that really does hurt the black community generations Mm -hmm. ago. Mm And and now you see the fallout of it later. Now uh, you know you want to put cast blame. Who did that? Who, who did that? I'll say LBJ did that. Exactly right. right. Yeah. LBJ did that. It's a great society, right? Yeah. And yeah. and and you know it's all about getting votes. In in the end, he said he used the 
derogatory term, so I won't say it here, oh, but he, he used didn't. the N-word. Yeah. And so he said, I'll have them voting this party for, for 200, for 200 years. years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it is, you're, you're dead right that it's a problem with fatherless, mm-hmm. you know, a fatherless community where, where uh, it's, a, it's authority in general. Mm-hmm. Authority is under attack every single place in our world. It's a, uh, it doesn't matter what God made you as far as male or female, because God doesn't have any authority to determine that for you, <laughs> right? Your genitalia was not a clue <laughs> towards what God wanted you to live out, right? Um, you know, women, uh, you, you, have, you have basically to say that you value women, you have to say, but we hate men. Yeah. Well, that's that's ridi- that's ridiculous. Unless that man identifies a woman, then he can beat her as much as he would like. Right. Actually, yeah, and, that's and we okay. did we did an episode a few weeks ago where it actually trans men are coming out and saying they're better women than even women <laughs> are. Oh, that's it's yeah. hilarious. So even now, men are better at being women than women I themselves. Mean, you, are. you have to laugh at these things because if you don't, you'll cry. You you will literally go into oh, you'll, be, so you'll become depressed because it's like living in the twilight zone. We don't have to laugh. We actually Nathan and I are very thankful for all this stuff happening because it gives us content yeah, every right. we come in Absolutely. like five minutes before the show hey we want to talk about oh let's talk about this 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 and this yeah, right. we don't even have to work hard to get the content there's not a whole lot of show prep yeah. going on yeah, that's yeah. what i'm hearing uh, how dumb content how dumb is the world oh, that's right right here you know i, I think too that it, when we think about you know the, the fatherless homes and you know there there are plenty of homes with fathers and unfortunately um what i see too often is fathers who who won't take a stand. Mm-hmm. They won't they won't step in and step up and and get involved in in what they know to be right. Thank you for saying that because that's Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> yes. Right? right? What what happens? People aren't staying in their we're going to do uh one of our our shows that we're going to record is about roles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. God wants us to play our part. What is Adam's sin? Whenever he's there with his wife in front of the serpent, he's passive. Yep. He 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 should have tied the serpent in a in a knot and chucked it across the garden. Right. But he sits there and doesn't do anything. And then blames his wife. And then yeah, yeah. it's he uh, not only blames yeah. his wife, man, he blames God. God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He goes, "It's the woman who <laughs> you, you gave, gave me." me. Yeah. It's like pass the Thanks buck a lot, everywhere. God. You guys suck. This, this is my why I've always said Adam was a Democrat because he's <laughs> he's pushing the blame on everyone else, it even God himself. himself. Yeah. Yeah. He won't take the responsibility. Well, well, the first Democrat. <laughs> the first Democrat. Adam. Well, I'll tell you what. It's it's really you know it's a, it's a shame because there are, you know, it's it's just it's just really a shame that we won't walk in our authority. Mm. And just submit to our authority, just because you know. Okay, there's there's four white, you know, there's, there's three white guys and a and an Asian guy, right? But but is this a joke? You know, Do we walk white? into a bar? No, no. <laughs> but but the point is, they're all. I'm men. Italian. Oh, you're Italian. Yeah, so I'm I mean, Polish. So I'm, I think I'm shirt. a minority group. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm the only American. I don't know. <laughs> Racist. The, the, uh, uh, but but the thing about it is, you know, you'll be criticized instantaneously because there's there's not a woman present, right? right? Yeah. We can't sit and talk about something because it's it's skewed. Our we have a, we have a role to play, a big role. Uh, and and the the role is not to push women down. That role is just to be who God's made us to be, protect them the way that God's called us to protect mm-hmm. them. I mean, any husband or father worth a dime. He's going to lay down his life for his family. But see, Amen. that's by design too. 
in yeah. Cal- and we see we saw this in California very early on that there's that disparaging of men, right? They told women, you know, you don't need a man, you don't need this, you don't need that. And then they tell men that, you know, you're stupid and you're incompetent. You see it in the media, you see it in shows and movies slowly over time. Yep. Because they understood that the best the best way to raise good children, like you guys were talking about, is fa- having a father, a present father, having a nuclear family. So you really can't get to kids when you have good parents. But if you take the father out of the house, that's already a great, you know, you're already way in. Then you tell telling uh, confusing women, right? Start confusing women about, you know, what's the, you're, they're, they're making, back then when they were doing this, it was, uh, they were making women feel that motherhood is an inconvenience, right? That your career is more important. So now you've taken the mother and the father, the kids are just easy pickings. And that's what we're seeing now, yeah. right? You're seeing that, oh, I'm too busy to get involved. I'm too, I, I can't do this. And then the men, like when I traveled to speak to different parent groups in Indiana, it's like 80%, 85% women. Yep. It, that's the, my biggest challenge right now is to try to get men off the sidelines. I agree. And you know, and you know what? You would, seen the same thing in the. You know, what would go a long way in, in, in helping, I think, bring that about is more pastors, frankly, like Micah and Nathan. Yeah. I think we yeah. we we have this yeah. we we have so many pastors in the pulpit right now who are who who don't want to get involved in quote politics, um, and and what I've always said is that well whether you, whether you as a pastor or or anyone whether you like politics or not politics is going to get involved with you, mm-hmm. so you you better recognize that, that you need to culture. get involved. I, it, it it's is just culture. It I is, mean, and yeah. and that's another and that's another. So when you break it down like that, there's there's so many pastors out there that don't want to get involved. And I actually had a pastor one time tell me that he could never envision preaching a sermon on abortion. Wow. Wow! Why? And because, I was, what was, I his, was shocked. I guess you just throw out Psalm one thirty nine because yeah. we don't need that yeah. portion of so, scripture. Yeah. I, I've had you know. Yeah. So, so I mean, look, if if you are a if you believe in the biblical definition of marriage as a pastor, since we're just since I'm bringing it up because this is sort of a, a pet peeve for me, and I'm so thankful for uh, guys like you, Micah, and guys like you, Nathan. And there's more yeah. out there. Um, there are. But uh, if you believe in the biblical definition of marriage, guess what? You are you are in opposition to a political ideology, to a Marxist ideology. I would argue when you get right down to it, and and you better understand that that ideology has no room for you. It has yeah. no room for any dissent. So your biblical definition of marriage, if you're going to stand on that truth yeah. as a Christian, you better figure out how you're going to get involved in politics. Yeah. Well, well, and it's like the pastors that say, "Hey, we don't want to talk politics because we might we have." you know, people who might not align with what I'm going to say here when it comes to abortion or, or the definition of marriage. And I say, okay, that's fine. Would you say the same thing to the man who's having an affair on his wife in church? Because I hear pastors talk about how fathers need to, you know, love their families and put their families first and put their wives first and make sure that, you know, you're doing the godly stewardship thing of taking care of your family. But what about that guy that's having an affair right now? He likes having the affair. He's, you know, he, that, he doesn't want that to come between him and God. So don't talk about that. Don't talk about that from the pastor or from the pulpit pastor. You know that's the same. That's the same mindset, the same logic they're using when they come around and say we can't talk politics. And I, I said, you, if you can do this with politics, if you can say we're not going to address this because we're afraid of the offense that might come from this, well, then you can't address anything, pastor. Just shut shut a pastor up. All you have to yeah. do is just claim that whatever he's speaking about has a political. 
Yeah, you know, and there's uh, no historical. Uh, there's yeah. no historical basis for them to take this yeah. this position. <laughs> Only in the alone, last forty years. Let alone no, yeah. no biblical basis yeah. for them to yeah. take this position. They're yeah. not gonna. They're not gonna get involved in John politics. the Baptist. John the Baptist. What got him killed? What got him killed? He took he, on politics. He took on politics. He and came over, after Herod. Over a moral issue. Or a moral issue. He was sleeping. Yep. Herod was sleeping with someone that was not his wife. Yep. And John the Baptist called him out. After When Jesus found out John the Baptist was, was murdered by Herod because John the Baptist got political, what does he say about John the Baptist? He says, there hasn't been anyone as great as John, as John mm. the Baptist. Mm. He, he didn't say, oh man, I wish he wouldn't have gotten political. <laughs> yeah. He said, there hasn't been anyone as great as John the Baptist. He didn't say, this is why I've taught you not to get political. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I, truly, truly, yeah, I tell you. Barely, barely, I say unto thee. Can I, can I say something? What, what you're seeing with all the women showing up to your, um, you, you know, to these meetings mm-hmm. where you're training them. Thank God. Yeah. Thank, thank God yeah. for mama bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. They're so fierce. But yeah. I would tell you. But men fight you know, differently. Uh, well, I kind of look at the the animal world a lot, you know, yeah. as far as like the Bible tells us to to look at natural law, see how mm-hmm. how it is, right? There there is something, you know, I'm a big cat person, right? I love tigers. Okay. I, I love I love <laughs> I, I love say, lions, if it's a house right? cat, I was yeah, like, no, no, dude, big cat. But they but they guard their territory, <laughs> right? They they know that by having their strength, they protect they protect their young from other predators who are going to come in to knock them off, right? Yeah. I when when I go, we host prayer meetings mm. every every Saturday morning at Life Church, and I count when I go the number of men versus the number of women. Okay, I, I'm sorry to say, and I think Life Church is a church that's built towards men. We still have more women showing up to pray mm. than we have men showing up to pray, huh. and I think to myself, no wonder in society. That that we're we're seeing the very same thing because in the family, if anybody should be there leading, where are the men? Yeah, that's exactly right. Where are the fathers? Yeah. Where are the ones going? Oh, this is a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. We got to this place in society because we let the spiritual battle go. And how do you get them to show up at school board meetings except that they first show up to pray together mm-hmm. as brothers in arms? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's such a great point. And I, you know, I just, I just feel led even right now just to say how important uh, it is for women to be involved in in this fight uh, for, you know, again, just back to the topic of critical race theory. I don't want to give the impression at all that um, they're not, they're, their role in this isn't important. It's critically important. Amen. Both it, parents. It is. It's, it's both, both yeah. right? And, and I guess where my frustration comes in is that I just want men to be men again. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want I want you like you said it earlier just stand on your authority, your God-given authority and and be men again for crying out loud. You know what defines, where are they? Do you know what defines a godly man that they're warriors, right? Mm, Exodus yeah. fifteen three says, the Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. And if we're made in God's image, he's showing us as men how to go in battle. And it's and it's boldness, it's courage. It's going in and saying, hey, ladies, we love you. We, we appreciate you, but we're gonna defend you right now. We're gonna go, we're not gonna ask you to go into the battle. We're gonna go into the battle to defend what we care about. And that's our wives, that's our children, that's our nation, that's our communities. And if you get men that actually get 
they're they're like look at Jesus. He's the bridegroom. Mm-hmm. He fights for the bride, which is the church. He doesn't call the church to go out first. He says, follow me into this battle and I'm going to lead the way mm-hmm. and we model him. So, but what we've mm-hmm. done is we've said, hey, brides, yeah. go out and fight this for us. Yeah. And we're, we don't want to, yeah. But, but guys, we've done this in so many ways and yeah. it gets to the, you know, show we're going to have later, you know, but it's, it's, it's roles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, you know, we, you, you hear people talk about a patriarchal system. Mm-hmm. That's a negative thing. If you're a Christian and you love your country, now that's a negative thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, anything that, that, that says, I know who I am and I'm going to stand in the authority that I have. How dare you? And yet God is asking us just as much as men to submit as he's asking women to submit under us. And he's saying, when you don't submit under me, it makes it really hard for them to submit under you because they don't see a leader that lays down their life. Remember, you're supposed to be looking like me. I laid down my life. In, in, in the, it, you look at the relationship between God the Father and Jesus. Who was the submissive one? Mm-hmm. It's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it, because he's submissive, he has the right now to call out and say, now you men, you be submissive to me. And when you're submissive to me, ladies, you be submissive to your husbands and children, you be submissive to your parents. You know, when we're talking about, you, 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 were, you were mentioning like the kids and, 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 you know, they come through school, they think they know everything. They think they're so smart. And, and I, I love how Churchill, I think Churchill got credit for it. I'm not sure he actually said it, but it was a great quote. If you're not you know, if you're not a, uh, oh. a liberal when you're young, you have no heart. And if you're not a conservative when you're old, you have no brain. <laughs> right? But, but the, the point is, is that life teaches right. us the principles yeah. where you go, that, that, that was all just that sounded great. emotion yeah. Yeah, here. Sounds it doesn't actually practically work. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I got thinking, I, I think, uh, you know, what you said wh- that was so powerful is, you know, we're missing the building blocks of simply children honor your your parents. It's the fifth commandment. Mm-hmm. It's the commandment that ties the first four that have to do with how we act with God. Mm-hmm. The, the last five have to do with how we act in society. Mm-hmm. And number five is the linchpin. And it doesn't speak it to children. It speaks it to all, all of us mm-hmm. to honor our fathers. You know, I don't know how old everybody is. I'm 43. I'll be 44 soon. Is there anybody older than me in this room? Are you older than me? You're okay. But how do we honor our fathers and our mothers? Go back and look at what, where did this, what were they trying to pass to us? That's why it's important to know where our country came from. Mm -hmm. What did they build? What were we supposed to understand? God talks about don't move that sacred boundary stone. Mm. That's good. Because because they put it there for a reason yeah. and you don't even care why it's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just want to move it out of the way because you think it looks ugly in that field. Yeah. That was a boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and it's, it's last summer when we saw all the statues being torn down, right? Yeah. What were they doing? They're removing the boundary stones. They're removing the things that, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, you think it looks ugly? Well, it's there for a reason so that we don't go back to that place Learn where we from came it. from. Learn from it. 
right? Yeah. And uh, and the Lord all throughout Scripture told told His people build a memorial, build a monument, so that we don't forget because we forget really fast, we forget really easily. We do. And so so and 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 then you see what I want to I want to move it back to the CRT stuff. You see, this is a removal of the foundations of what we were built on. This is a deconstruction mm-hmm. of the American dream. Right. And I listen. If you haven't checked this out, I listened to this podcast by Jordan Peterson a few few days ago. I think it's you know it's probably last at this point last month. So if you go back and listen to it, but he interviews this young lady. She's probably in her mid twenties. She escaped from, from Korea. From, right? from Korea. Yeah. Mm. It was yeah. from North Korea. Yeah. It was the most amazing two-hour testimony. She's written a book on it as well. She said, Jordan said, what do you think of the oppression that's happening in America? Or people say they're oppressed right now. And she says, are you kidding me? She said, if you think you're oppressed, if you know you're oppressed, you're not really oppressed. She said, we didn't even know we were oppressed. We didn't even know what freedom was. We didn't know that we were living in bondage until we were able to make it out. The only thing we lived for was to worship the Kim dynasty and to eat. All we knew is we needed food and we would go, everybody worked on behalf of the Kim dynasty. She said, America doesn't even have a clue what oppression is is anymore. And we think we're, and she's like, I hear people talk about, you know, being, being oppressed because of their skin color. She says, I laugh. This is, this is, outrageous that they're saying that they're saying this and yet here we have we have the leftists and the marxists in our school systems who want to implement everything she was saying that they're trying to implement right now in our society the aocs and the marxists she said that's what led korea to become the totalitarian state that it is today she said i cannot believe americans are actually putting up with this because she said and she also said she said got to a point where if you defected, if you push back on the totalitarian regime, if you protested, they said, not only would you be punished, but eight generations. Mm. She said, one general defecting from the North Korean government would mean 30,000 people would suffer if you go, if you, all of the family, the extended family for mm-hmm. eight generations, mm-hmm. 30,000 people. When you got, I, I got to go to uh, China a couple years ago. Yeah, they did that stuff too. And, and, and. <laughs> They, 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 they like yeah. to do that stuff too. Yeah. Well, Their family just disappears. I, I mean, they're fans of that too. They're, you disappear. <laughs> That's exactly right. I, I never like to, to go into the, you know, here's, here's a big statue of Mao Zedong and, and, and you're standing there and you realize, you know, we were a group of pastors. We couldn't say the word pastor, church, or missionary mm-hmm. while we were over there. We had to speak in code. And, and it was because we're in a, uh, you know, a, a, a big courtyard, it's mic'd, you know, wow. like, wow. and there's, there's trailers, there's police trailers all the way around. It's kind of like what uh, the Biden administration is doing with big tech right now, right? <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, they're, they're, yeah. honestly, a lot of similarities. Yeah, there. There really you're is. like it, to, to be free police. people mm-hmm. and then to be over there and to go, you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't just, yeah. I mean, what are, what are you going to say? Yeah. You'd, it, it, you're, it's you're an eerie it, feeling, but you're starting to see that here with yeah. the little kids. Yeah. You know, you can't say this and you can't say that. So how how long? How many generations do you think if we don't solve this at the public school level? You said 25 years is what it took for really California to become what California is, right? Like I say, about 20, 25 yeah. years. But the difference is that California has about 40 million people, just a little less. But most, a lot of them are illegal aliens. But there's a, so it's a big state, right? And they have a lot of money. They're not illegal. They're immigrants. They're, <laughs> they're undocumented. They're un- Undocumented immigrants. You, you racist bigot. Pig. <laughs> That's exactly what it's. Have you guys been to California? 
Is that what this is? <laughs> no, we're just we're just practicing. <laughs> yeah, we're practicing. Yeah, we, yeah. We, yeah. You're practicing yeah. it before it gets here. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, they they you know uh, this is what happens, right? That it just takes 20, 25 years. But in Indiana, there's less than seven million people. It's a small state. It yeah. won't take them so very long. Take, yeah, it'll take, take less. It'll, it'll, it'll be faster. It'll be fast. It'll be eight year, nine years. Yeah. Because you'll you'll switch the you know the kids and then. You know, and I was remind parents, I go, look, if you have a 14-year-old, in four years, they can vote. Yeah. You have a 10-year-old. And then they want to move it down to 16. Yeah. <laughs> I've had two 16-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> they have no common sense whatsoever. Should be I increased. do not want them voting. <laughs> barely want Holy them driving. Cow. <laughs> That's funny. It's because you're a racist. That's why you don't want them voting, because yeah, you're, you're a racist. You're an ageist. They're my own children. <laughs> You're an ageist or something. You're an ageist or I something. don't want my own children <laughs> to vote at 60. Honestly. <laughs> All right. So we're going to leave it there. It's been a, a great interview so far, but we, that's segment one. We're going to pick this back up next week, and we'll finish with segment two with Alvin and Elijah uh, talking about all the things happening in our school systems right now and fighting the good fight for liberty and, and the foundations that this nation was built on. So, so thanks for being with us today, Nathan. Thanks for uh, everything you're doing. Yeah, appreciate awesome. it. It's been a great. This was it was a great first show. It was, yeah. man. You don't want to miss part two. It's gonna. It, it's definitely worth coming back. Make sure that you're subscribing. All right. Yep. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe. Hey, so uh, thanks for tuning in. This has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics. I'm Micah, and I'm Nathan. We talk about all the things culture doesn't want to talk about. That was. We'll catch you next week. Yeah.